Welcome to this episode of Courier Conversations. Now here's your hosts, Jeff Robinson and Todd Deaton. Well, good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Courier Conversations. I'm Jeff Robinson, editor and president of the Baptist Courier. And yet again, I have a very dear friend of mine uh, today on the podcast with me. Uh, Tom Nettles is a Baptist historian, par excellence. Tom taught at Southern Seminary for many, many years, Southwestern Seminary before that, and has written a big pile of books on Baptist history, the most famous of which and most impactful, which probably the listeners may know is Baptist in the Bible, which played a key role in providing the theological rationale and historical rationale for the conservative resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention. Tom, welcome to con- Career Conversations. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always a delight to have a conversation with you and that we can share it with others is a good thing. Absolutely. We're talking today about Baptist history in South Carolina. What in the world does Baptist history have to do with South Carolina? Wow. Well, it has a lot to do with it. Uh, If you want to look to the origins of Southern Baptist churches and the Southern Baptist Convention and the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, you've got to look to South Carolina first. And if you want to look at denominational missions in Baptist life, you look at South Carolina, it has a whole lot to do with it. Yeah, the first first association in... uh, State association in the Deep South was founded in South Carolina, the Charleston Association. Charleston Association, yeah. Founded by Oliver Hart, who had come from the Philadelphia Association, where he saw the power of united churches uh, for missions and for discipline and for encouragement. And so uh, when he arrived in 1749 in Charleston, He began to speak to some of the pastors of other churches there about this. And so by 1751, they had established the South Carolina Baptist Convention, a part of uh, the Charleston Association, excuse me. And that that was a part of some of the outflow of the First Great Awakening. They're, they're, if, if we're talking about South Carolina Baptists, there's sort of three areas that, when I, mm. that I, I think about that I think are very important. One of them, and all these are D's, so it, it helps me remember them. Good, Maybe it can help others. Good Southern Baptist literature. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I think about doctrine, mm. first of all. Then I think about denomination, next. And then I thought, think about declamation, uh, which is just a fancy word for preaching. I needed mm. another D. And, and so I think about the, uh, the influence that pastors and others in South Carolina have made on preaching. So, so doctrine is important. The denominational cohesion is important, and declamation is important. Well, I ride around Greenville, which is soon to be our our, our soon to be hometown, uh, and I see signs like Fuller Street and Boyce Avenue and Pettigrew. In fact, my if you look out my office at the Courier, and everybody in Greenville knows this, I I sit at the corner of Pettigrew and Manly Streets. Mm-hmm. So Broadus is another one you see all over the place. What's the significance of all these names? Well, those are names that are connected with the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and with other aspects of Baptist life. Broadus, of course, was from Virginia, but he came to South Carolina in order to be a part of the faculty there. Pettigrew is a a, a family name there, and it was the middle name of James Pettigrew Boyce, who was the founder of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And 
Manley is very important because Basil Manley Sr. was pastor of First Baptist Church in Charleston. And then his sons, uh, Basil Manley Jr. and Charles Manley, were also pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention. Basil Manley Sr. was the uh, was a very effective pastor at uh, two churches in South Carolina. The last would be in Edgefield before uh, he moved to Alabama. I mean, before he moved to the First Baptist Church of Charleston. Mm-hmm. And then he went to Alabama. Uh, Basil Manley Jr. was on the first faculty at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Charles Manley was a pastor also. And so uh, all these names, Boyce, uh, is that a name that's used there? Prominently. Yeah. Prominently. So he was a professor of theology at uh, Furman University, and it was there that he delivered his famous manifesto for theological education called Three Changes in Theological Institutions. And then was the person appointed uh, by the convention to raise funds for the establishing of a theological seminary to serve Southern Baptists, and he did that. Uh, and then the seminary was established in Greenville, South Carolina, 1856. Courier Tours is planning trips for 2023. We're headed to the Ark Experience and Creation Museum, June 19th through the 22nd. Come travel with the Courier. For more details about the Ark trip, and to sign up to receive notifications about other upcoming trips, check out our website, baptistcourier.com. So all those names are important, and they, they're more than just sort of reminders. They have substance to them. They're, they're the kinds of things that you don't want to live down. You don't want to say, oh, what is this name here for? That doesn't mean anything, because their influence is really quite profound and carries over to our generation. One of your books, one of your many books on Baptist history is a biography of James Pettigrew Boyce, which I commend to our readers. If you live in South Carolina and you're a Baptist, you need to get this and read it. It's fantastic. Talk a little bit about Boyce in Greenville, because I was with a friend the other day who uh, works for uh, in Baptist Life in South Carolina and said, you know, Boyce's family owned all this land. We are in one of the main thoroughfares in Greenville. He said he, the Boyce family owned all this land. Talk about the prominence of the Boyce family in Greenville, which I know you speak of in the book. Yeah, well, um, he had a, they, they had a, a pretty good presence in Charleston also, mm-hmm. and there's even a a um, a wharf there named the Boyce Wharf, mm. where uh, James Pettigrew Boyce received all of these shipments from wares that he was buying. He was the president uh, and on the board of directors of a bank. A Boyce was probably one of the wealthiest men in in South Carolina. Uh, and so both Charleston and Greenville were very important uh, in the in the Boyce family, uh, uh, but particularly I think Charleston because of the impact that 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 uh, James Pettigrew Boyce's father had there, mm-hmm. Kerr Boyce, mm-hmm. and uh, of course it was there also that uh, Boyce got to know Basil Manley Sr. when he was the pastor of First Baptist Church, and then later. Uh, William Brantley was pastor and mm-hmm. was another prominent Southern Baptist of South Carolina. So uh, this is uh, this lasting legacy of the of the Boyces relates both to the business acumen of Kerr Boyce uh, and to the sacrificial sp- spirit and the theological acumen of uh, James Pettigrew Boyce. And all Southern Baptists owe a tremendous debt of gratitude. 
if I can just talk on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Please, do. Please do. That's why we're uh, here. One of the things that I think is was so instrumental in the recent conservative resurgence was the theological legacy that mm-hmm. Boyce left, and along with Broadus and with uh, Basil Manley uh, Jr., uh, Boyce wrote a systematic theology that had a, has a very profound section on uh, confessions, on the on the, the value of confessions, but also on Scripture, which was sort of the main theological issue that was present there in the conservative resurgence. Uh, and then uh, Broadus wrote a book called The Paramount and Permanent Authority of Scripture, and Basil Manley Jr. wrote a book uh, entitled The Bible's Doctrine of Inspiration, mm-hmm. in which he contends that just like we have a, a doctrine from Scripture on the person of Christ or on the atonement or on the Trinity, if we're going to understand how God operates in the world through redemption and through the person of His Son, we also need to understand how God operates in the world through divine revelation. And the only way we do that is to consult the Bible itself for its view of what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the Bible doctrine of inspiration was a very important piece of literature that was presented uh, some years after the toy controversy. So that uh, that whole group of writings written uh, by those particular persons was tremendously important in showing that Southern Baptists uh, had not simply uh, adopted a view from the Princeton theologians, but uh, had developed their own theology of what the inspiration of Scripture was and what Revelation implied about the errorless nature of Scripture. Uh, so uh, that particular influence that Boyce had in bringing those scholars together there uh, to Greenville for the purpose of teaching at the, at the seminary was quite uh, profound. Of course, eventually after the Civil War, it had to move to Louisville because of financial reasons, but it had its a very solid foundation there in Greenville, South Carolina. Well, you brought up an important word, um, one of your D's, is doctrine. And today, when we speak of theology or doctrine, we tend to think in Southern Baptist like, well, that's for the seminary or seminary students or the curious people, really not for the church. But what would the, the founders of Southern Baptist Seminary and also Baptists in South Carolina, it seems to me in those in the, the early days would take great exception to that kind of thinking. Oh, absolutely. Uh, William Screven, as South Carolina people probably know, was the pastor, first pastor of the First Baptist Church of Charleston. He came from England. He had signed a confession of faith in England. Persecution in the section where he lived drove him and his family uh, to New England, where he became a part of First Baptist Church of Boston. And then the First Baptist Church of Boston sent him up to Kittery, Maine to establish a church. And when he had sufficient number there, they sent a credentials committee up to examine the church uh, as well as Screven, and they said that they found them to be a sufficient number and also of the same faith and order as us, holding to the confession of faith written by our brethren in London. And they said 1682. So, so it was probably, and that's when they went up there, it was probably a reprint of the 1677 confession. So from the very beginning, they were concerned about this confessional fidelity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they come to, to South Carolina and established the church there, uh, Screven served as pastor. And then when he was getting ready to sort of retire as pastor, he wrote a, a letter to the church called an, an ornament uh, to First Baptist Church. And in that, he said, make sure that you get 
a pastor. You get a man who is a blameless character and who does own the confession of faith written by our brethren in London in 1689. So the very first generation was concerned about confessional fidelity, and they were concerned that it be a full-orbed kind of confessional statement. And so the 1689 confession, known as the Second London Confession, eventually became the confession of faith of the Charleston Association, Mm -hmm. And it was also the confession of faith of the Philadelphia Association. Uh, So this confessional background and theological background is very important and is very strong and robust and a deep sense of responsibility related to it. So there's a lot we can learn from them today about what what really matters in churches, right? What really matters in our denomination. Absolutely. Yes, I mean, you, you, you can't have a denomination that is solid and that maintains the gospel in the world, maintains its missionary activity, its church planning activity, if it doesn't have a, have a full-orbed understanding of what the gospel is, who Jesus Christ is, what the gospel itself mm-hmm. is, what Scripture is. If, you, if you're not straight on these things of divine revelation, pretty soon you're going to fragment and you'll be founding churches that are do not have people genuinely converted in them. So this kind of confessional background is important for every practical activity we have in denominational life also. Well, this is a great conversation. I don't think we need to end this year. There's still too much to say. Southern Baptists or Baptists in South Carolina just have such a robust history. I think we're going to have to have another session here, another uh, part two here, Tom. So uh, so uh, stay tuned. Next week, we're going to come back with Tom and talk more about, we'll, talk, we'll get into Furman. Uh, you know, Furman University is a major landmark in, uh, in, uh, in our state here. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. What's behind the founding of that? Do Baptists have anything to do with that? We know they certainly did. And uh, talk a little bit more about theology and uh, how, how, that, how these things have shaped South Carolina Baptists. Now South Carolina Baptists have shaped Southern Baptists. So be sure and come back for part two. We're glad you joined us for Courier Conversations, where we are informing and inspiring South Carolina Baptists and beyond. For more information about these topics and more, subscribe to our e-edition or go to our website at baptistcourier.com. The Courier is located in Greenville, South Carolina as a multimedia ministry partner of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. To comment about today's podcast, email us at conversations at baptistcourier.com. This podcast produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions.